Hey guys, welcome back to the Social Distance Podcast. Another week, another Tuesday. Um, this episode, we run through the Belgian classics. We talk about, you know, is Pog- how's Pogman going to go? We're a bit behind, but is Pogacar going to win Flanders or not? Van Art, the Jumbo Show up there. George runs us through Catalonia. Tour of Basque Country next week. We talk about logos. We're developing a new logo for the show. We've got plenty of ideas for that. Um, Jonesy tells a couple of... Jonesy lights his fart. (laughs) (laughs) Just that for Jonesy lights her fart. That's where we're at. (laughs) I talked about the Oscars. Everyone loves a good Biffo story, so we're just piggyback. Got bogged down in celebrities for a while. Mm. We we uh, we spend about the first five minutes of the show uh, talking about nuts and not 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 balls, not testicles. We talk about the the food nuts. What's your best nut? Uh, what's a good driving nut? Cocktail it's just nuts the, at the bar. It's a stock standard episode. You tune in for dribble. That's what we deliver. Because when good. we have to when we have to work out what we talked about, we can't remember because yeah. it's dribble. Yeah. So and like yeah. the reality is, with the show is a uh, loosely based around cycling, but you guys all know uh, that every now and again we get bogged down in some in some real absolute shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. So enjoy the show. Why, like, would, why wouldn't you be excited after that intro? Why wouldn't you? Let's do it. Woo! Let's do subscribe. Let's, let's just run the intro and wing it like we always do and see what comes out of it. Mm, let's get ready to rumble. My radar's going pretty hard at the moment. I think we Will you shut up, man? Person? That escalated quickly. Oh, We're going to need to get some more qualified guests on the show, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you got anything to talk about, guys? Don't we have a guest today? Who's the guest? Do we? Oh, I don't know. Last week we were going to have a guest and you're like, no, nah, no, nah, she's coming next week. Oh, yeah, but the, the issue with that is that we organised a show literally 15 minutes ago. So No, nah, yeah. nah, hang on. I, I've got to – you guys put a fair bit of shit on me last week, but I mm, want to reverse the roles a bit. Okay, we know on this show we've promised merch for 18 months, right? And it all comes down to a logo. So I thought you were doing the logo bills, and then you came back to me and you said, mate, where's the logo at? So I organised the logo. I sent the logo, and then you go, nah, I'll get Caitlin to do it. Why the fuck didn't you get Caitlin to do it from the start? Now we don't have a logo. We don't have fucking merch. And you're sitting back going, you can't even organise a fucking guest. Oh, so Caitlin thinks I'm doing the logo. Well, who's doing the logo? <laughs> we need the merch. Like, Should I go knock on my Spanish neighbor's door and ask him if he can make a logo? Well, I can guarantee by the next show we will have merch because I'm going to kick someone up the ass to get this logo and we're going to have merch. So that's it. We've got that is it. We've got logos. We've got logos. I just don't like any of them. Oh yeah, they're just shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got a bunch of shit logos. I mean, one and, of them uh, was like a swastika. I don't think that was very on brand. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, true. I didn't even realize that. It is, eh? So can't run we that. We should uh, probably reel that one a little bit. Just get something a bit more on brand. Cycling related, less Nazi related. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good look. We're pretty close, though. We're pretty close. We've got a couple now. Like, that. We have, we're pretty close. We'll have one by like tomorrow, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so we'll have merch (laughs) definitely next step, guys. 100%. You have my word. 
We will have right. merch. Can't wait. What have you guys been up to? What do you have? You've, we'll have, you've, we'll have a logo. We might not have merch oh. for the next step, but we'll have a logo for the next step. We'll have, we'll have merch. I know people Over that are ready to go. That's how we operate these days. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, what's been going on? You guys been racing? Did you avoid the plague at the Catalunya? Because half the Palo got wiped out with bugs, George. Well, I don't know. I, I've had this weird thing where I went from being quite good in the race, like early on. Um, well, you know, like we had a couple of mountain stages and they went really well. Went probably better than I've gone on a mountain stage for a long time, you know, like had to pull off a pretty rogue tactic attack at the bottom of the last climb. Fucking got caught 3K to go, sort of hung on, but ultimately I was a bit pinned. But, you know, it was a good ride, good, best power I've done and shit like this for a long time, altitude and all the stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm going really well. And then, like, we had a long day the next day. And then the day after was this uphill start. And I just got hooped. Like, went from the front to the back, went all in to try to follow this move. And I had, like, 16 rain jackets on because I was compensating for the cold. Because I was like, oh, you know, the only thing that can undo me now is cold weather. So I had, like, 30 rain jackets on. And I was going up there like the Michelin man, you know, trying to go up the start of this <laughs> hill. And I just got hooped, man, and, like, dropped by, I don't know, a group of, like, 80 guys or something and like there were still sprinters there Caden Groves everything and I was like oh this is pretty weird and I was thinking nah it's just I'm getting sick like any minute now I'm going to break because we'd had one guy with a stomach bug out and I was like yeah and I had like this big headache I was like oh it's not coming right like I'm I'm going to start spewing any minute now you know and the next days I'm going to get the fever and stuff and it just never came and then all my other teammates like run around me now I got home like people were just crook as mm. But I, it's a never-ending cycle, eh? It's a never-ending mm. cycle. Like we've mm. we've finally come out. Well, I mean, we, we've we've come out of the pandemic in a sense that the world's starting to go back to normal. But now, like everyone's just getting sick with everything else. Like no one's got COVID because everyone's had it. And now the, yeah. the whole like it's, this is this will be the first year in a, quite a few years where um, the peloton's been hit so hard by sickness, eh? Like I don't, the I've never seen like this. Decimated. I've never seen it. It's like, like Perry Nice, there like was 55 finishes. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It was 55 finishes. Yeah. 55 finished Perry like, Nice. And do you know what was interesting? Is like there was, so you know how Torino and Perry Nice run at the same time? There was like the stomach bug out in Torino. So everyone was dropping out of there with the stomach bug. And then in Perry Nice, everyone had bronchitis. Everyone was dropping out of there. And then you come to like Catalonia and there's still like just enough crossover that like one guy got it, got sick on the last day of. Perry Nice, so he's still kind of mm. contagious at Catalonia, and then he just fucking goes again. And then you got this mm. mixture because you got guys from Torino and from from Perry Nice, and so in Catalonia you just got guys with stomach bugs and bronchitis, so they're just going around coughing and shitting themselves, and you, you just like well, give me COVID, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, know, um, I've never seen it like this. No, and like because Catalonia was the same, eh? There was like. 50 oh. dropouts in Catalonia. There's only 100, 120 finishes in Catalonia or something. It's bizarre. It's crazy. Mm. It's nuts. How was Belgium? Was that was that pretty spewy and again? Or was that all right? Sick, sick people there as well. Like, I mean, one day races. So, <clears throat> um, one day races. So people could, people drop out all the time anyway. But there's heaps of sickness around. Like Bora's running. I think I, I read an article the other day that Bora's got 11 healthy guys. 19 down. 19 out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a best thin on the ground though. Do you reckon though, like ground. this is a theory that's been bandied about and I've got no idea if it's actual science, but like you know how we're sort of isolated for so long 
whatever, socially distance, everything, that we we lost um, a bit of immunity to like common bugs that we maybe would have, you know, like we would have maybe sort of, they would have done the rounds, we would have been, had a little bit of exposure or whatever, and we had no exposure for two years. Now we're just vulnerable to everything. But I don't know. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine that that would happen so quickly. Like, isn't that something that you well, build think, up over years? I think those bugs just went into hibernation, eh? Like, because the whole, because we actually lived a, like the general population is a bunch of dirty bastards at the end of the day. Mm. And like, it took a pandemic to teach people that washing your hands is healthy. And, Wasn't there a stat like, on bee nut? Like the traces of urine and just shit in the standard bee nuts at a bar? Oh, I oh. can imagine, eh? Oh, it was off I'll the charts, those, but though. I still eat them. Yeah. Right. That lemon Hot zest. Yeah. You can't not eat them. Like I challenge anyone out there to like if if you order a beer at a bar and the bartender puts a little bowl of nuts next to you, mm. if you don't at least have one nut, you're a psychopath though. Like That's it. Uh, like and once you have one, then you have the whole bowl. Like I challenge anyone out there not to eat the bar, the cocktail nuts. But you do all that shit out of boredom as well. Like this day I was driving a pamploma in bed. Um we, you know, like I did the classic gas station, like fuel up, you know, popcorn pistachios everything you know just because i'm like you're not even hungry you're just fucking bored mm. yeah and you just and i like pistachios because you've got to work for them you've got yeah. to like <laughs> it's like you're, you're gonna get like, at least half an hour out of a pack yeah yeah it's, it's a real safe driving it's a real safe driving nut eh? mm. <laughs> like why you you're driving shit. trying to you're like got your knees on the steering wheel and you're trying to open this pistachio you're like, well fuck <laughs> Yeah, maybe you should say ca- cashews are a solid driving nut. That's that's a, yeah. safer nut. But pistachios, you're really running hot. It's a risky nut. So big news week for us, boys. Um, <laughs> nut, yeah. Thanks, for tuning, thanks for tuning in. How was Belge? How did the races go? Oh, I need to get Wivergum. So I was up there for a little bit. It's like standard standard classics, um, classics period, you know, like where you've got you always have a group of guys and we were actually quite like previously in Greenwich, we've always been quite thin on the ground with the classics group. So you might, you might only have one race on your schedule or something. Cause obviously you've got, there's a whole, like it's about a three week period. Well, if you go into the art ends, it's bloody five week period, but the Flemish classics alone is two or three week period. And there's like five, five, one day races there every couple of days, obviously. And like you, previously, you know, you go out there, you might have one race on your program and you end up doing all of them in our team because we're, you know, you go there, seven starters, you go out there with eight guys, someone crashes in the first race or someone gets sick and then all of a sudden you're on. But we had we had nine guys up there and everyone was pretty healthy. Um, so it was a bit of a rotating system. Um, and I decided to just race Kent Wivergum. I was up there for a few days, missed E3, did a recon on that day, race Kent Wivergum. And then I'm back I'm back in Girona uh, now, actually, pissing around here. It was better in Belgium. It was 20 degrees in sun there. Yeah. We had barbecue. Yeah, but how, how, how good was it seeing Gourmet win um, Get oh. Wilbergham? Because obviously riding with um, Dan Teclahymanot back in the day at Greenwich, mate, cycling in Eritrea, I remember he showed me footage of like the Nationals that year. There was a million people on the side of the road and then they did the podium and I remember like the crowd were that thick. There was a security guy with a massive bit of bamboo just like whacking people to get back. <laughs> And I'm like, mate, what is this? He goes, yeah, no, nah, it's crazy. It's crazy. They love it. I, and then when I he... heard a rumor about when he won the jersey in the Tour de France, 
he got given a house in Eritrea. Yeah. Like a, a farm with a house and stuff on it for wearing a polka dot jersey. They did a ticket tape parade for him. Yeah. Um, and he met like the president and, you know, it was a massive celebration and he had the jersey for three days. It was unbelievable. Mm. Dion it's Smith the, had the jersey for a couple of days and in New Zealand, I'm pretty sure all he got when he got home was like spat at and told to get off the road. That's right. And two weeks quarantine. <laughs> he, um, quarantine. <laughs> he, he, it is massive, eh? It is massive, massive in Africa cycling. And yeah. like obviously with the world, the world champs going to Rwanda. Is it next year, Rwanda? <clears throat> or yeah, year I think so. Um, year after, maybe. And like it's just huge. And obviously it's a minority sport um i think it's just what it's just like it's a bit like south america that where they just the people there just celebrate the success of their own no matter what mm. field it's mm. in you know uh, like they just they just they're just so proud that somebody from their country is representing their country in a positive way and in, mm. in whatever field it may be and and i don't win, think we do that in new zealand eh? I don't feel like we I don't, like we we like New Zealanders and Australians a bit the same. Australians are maybe more so the pro, but there's this little bit of like pull your head in, don't get ahead of yourself. Mm. Oh yeah, like, big time. Like oh yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good at your sport, but come on, mate, you're not that good. Mm. You, you know, get paid yeah, to do it. What do you do? What do you do for a job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. A, but like we, Kiwis are definitely more, and like maybe it's a good thing because maybe it also makes you realize like oh, yeah, I am just. Riding my bike around, I'm not really a hero or something. Like, but I mean, the Colombians are all pretty humble people as well. Because mm. I don't know, yeah, good people, aren't they? New Zealand's all about celebrating just the same. When it comes to sport, they just celebrate the same people. Like they don't, yeah, they don't, they don't celebrate um, everybody's sporting achievements equally. Like mm. they, they just look at it from a fucking marketing point of view. The Halberg Awards is such a crock of shit. This, like the New Zealand oh, Sports Halberg's. Awards. Like they just give it to the same people, and, and those people are obviously amazing athletes and successful and Olympic champions and stuff. But like, they if you're an, if you're an Olymp- a world champion in one sport and you're a world champion in another sport, they don't look at it the same. Like, like motocross, know, for example, we've got like yeah, exactly. Motor- like our motorsport drivers and our motocross drivers are like, un- like people are like to when when you go to Belgium because that's where they they all live up in Belgium there, and like a lot of them are like cyclists and stuff as well. Like they do a lot of training on a bike. <laughs> And they're like, oh, you know, like talking about how good our new uh, motocross riders are and we had Ben Townley and we had Josh Coppins and we had all these, you know, now we've got a new guy. Got a new couple of IndyCar. We've got a guy that just won like um, IndyCar. So yeah. Um, and, and we don't even know who they are. Like, no. I don't even know his name. He's like yeah. a hero in America. He's like one of the biggest sporting stars in America. Well, the yeah. big the big one that since we did the last show in terms of sport, like Ash Barty, top of the game, twenty five retires. Yeah. Like, yeah, and a lot of people, it was sort of mixed. Like people going, "Well, hang on, why why would you do that? Why would you quit at the top of your game?" Whereas a lot of people going, "Well, no, that's great. Like, good on her. Like, if she wants to do mm-hmm. that, good on you." And then, like other people are saying, relating it back to cycling, they're going, "Look at someone like Chris Froome." They go, well, he probably should retire, you know. But I look at it like, no, fuck that. If you're on a good contract and you got sort of mm. three years, man, I'd milk that cow till it bleeds because and I'm going to get good now is for like, three years. That's it. Frumi's not dumb at all. He's getting paid and he's just sitting at the back benches just lobbing grenades, you know, like with just chucks in a comment like, you know, every now and then about. Because, like, he's won the five. He doesn't need to do anything else. He's won the tour no. five times. Yeah. 
No, and then and people just off yeah, but, but, but it's legacy, you know. It's damaging the legacy. I say, fuck that. Don't worry about legacy. If they're paying the bills and those checks are clearing, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I've always but also, like, like, but like continuing in sport, like continuing in sport because it's so hard. Uh, is is like there's actually not enough money in the world that can make somebody continue when they don't want to anymore. Like mm. that's that's not actually how it works. Part. Like. Nah, but like Ash Barty, she she's also like I'm sure she's not short of a buck, and she she could have continued to make good money because she's so good at, at tennis. Like she's going to continue to win slams, and um, but she doesn't want to do it anymore. Simple as that. It's actually simple as that. She's like, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to. I think cycling is wanna... particularly hard if you don't want to do it because it's like actually if you boil cycling down, it's like who can hurt themselves the most. It's not like mm. it's not like. Oh, you just got a lot of admin, and you just got to get through it. You know, it's not like you just got to go to the nets and hit a hundred, you know, a thousand cricket balls a day. But you actually have to like deliver physical pain to yourself. And if you're not like, if you don't have like an intrinsic like, I actually want to do this, then like you say, no amount of money is going to make you do it. And you can see, you can see when people don't want to hurt themselves anymore. I mean, you see that yeah. today, it's pissing down with rain. Mm. You know, they don't get on the yeah. bike. But on a total rabbit hole, I'm thinking like, you know, everyone says, you know, you're both Olympians. It's such a big honor to compete in the Olympics. If you're looking for a niche sport to like milk that Olympic experience, it would be equestrian. Like you see equestrian riders still in their 60s. If you get a shit hot horse that's worth like Mm. 10 mil, that's going to clear all the ropes and all that sort of stuff, isn't essentially you just got to sit on the back and enjoy the ride? Like I I'm sure there's so. more I mean, to it. Equestrian, those equestrian guys. Oh, they're a fucking good, hoax. They're a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> That's a harsh call. I think they love. They love a few nose beers. They are they're <laughs> renowned for like just cocaine and champagne and just. Mm. I heard a story once that New Zealand. They're all wealthy as. Yeah. They're super loaded. We have a guy Mark Todd, um, and we had Blythe Twait. He was the other guy that they were like Olympic medalists and equestrian. But Mark Todd. It, it, if your There's name story is Mark Cotton Blythe Twaite, I think you're pretty much going to go into a tw- question. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much written for you as soon as you were born. <laughs> Blythe's a mad dog. Blythe Twaite. <laughs> a story about Blythe Tate, riding it. Isn't it Tate? Blythe Tate? Oh, Tate. Oh, it's a anyway, question written I heard all a story about Blythe riding a horse into, a, into an after party at one of the equestrian events, <laughs> riding in... And then everyone just like doing lines off horses and stuff. Like I think it was like a pretty loose. I think equestrian is like one of those things that you like think is like like a pretty civilized sport, and it's just debauchery, like absolute mm. debauchery. Like horses involved, it just just goes to the dogs real quick because yeah. they're all millionaires. Like yeah, they're always super loaded, eh? and they all just <clears throat> it's the circles they walk with. They they just mm. like in with these wealthy like, and it's so it's so British. So they're all got like. Mm. They're like manners and I think I would stuff. try and if I was gonna like half ass in an Olympic sport, like say I was gonna change lanes right now, mm. um, I think you'd go like losing, wouldn't you? Oh mm. yeah, mad dog. Just a mad dog sport. It was all there must be a bit of skill. There must be a bit of skill based in luge. In like luge though, or bobsleigh. Like the bobsled luge, you mean? Like the one person down the ice. Yeah, you go two up though, so the other guy delivers the power. Yeah, but that's weird. That's weird. The two up where he's sitting on top and there's sort of <laughs> come around the pants. It's like, nah, mate, you got it. You have that needs chemistry. 
That needs a lot of chemistry to pull that off. There must be there must be skill involved in that because there's heaps of crashes. So like you've got to break and steer and all that. You know what I think? There's got to be feet. I'm pretty sure that's how you lose with your feet. You go down and but but on the double luge, one of those guys isn't doing anything. There's one guy steering, taking the reins. There's one guy. Wait. Yeah. Exactly. One of them's just got a big motor. Mm. So they run for like. 12 meters, eh? And then they just slip down and go down the yeah, hill. If you're good at the 12 meter dash and you've got a bit of junk in the trunk to really sort of lead sink you down there, you're a start. And you think you're running like a steel kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to have a real meaty back end to sort of you know, give yourself that lead sinker to, to smash some times. That's my, that's my insights on equestrian and luge. What is, the, what is the least physically demanding Olympic sport? I was going to say diving because they just all they do is like, no, nah, they're athletes. Nah, that's so, that's mate, so, they're that's so ripped, eh? Yeah, that's so ripped. <laughs> mate, if they brought in like the, the horsey championships or, you know, belly whackers for sure. But these guys are ripped. Yeah. What nah, is, it, what, what is it? Synchronized swimming? Is that physically demanding? Probably yeah. in some ways, eh? Yeah, I feel like those sports are low key real hard. I think there's yeah. not a lot of Olympic sports for free, but luging is up there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now yeah. the um the other the other big news, boys, obviously not sport related, but uh geez, the Will Smith Chris Rock that blew up. Like we were watching that live, we're in the office and uh mate had it on the background and we were just we were just spitballing, we're going, Oh, you know, Will Smith is up or whatever. And then when Chris Rock made that joke. And then we heard this commotion and then we heard like F-bombs dropped. We were like meerkats, you know, straight away. We like stood up, looking around, grabbing the camera, replaying it, and then just watched Twitter light up. Um, and there was like a feed that, because in America, they blipped it out because it was unscripted. And, you know, straight away when something happens like that, they go, oh, I'd be set up. Nah, that's set up. And then you break it out and go, who the fuck would set that up as part of their brand? Yeah, I want to, I want mm. to be known as the guy that smacked a bloke in the face and then dropped f bombs live in the crowd. And there was the Japanese feed um, on Twitter, like if you, if you. Wow! Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Will Smith did it. Get my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, Ooh. dude. Yeah. It was a GI Jane joke. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I just like the Japanese translation. <laughs> I don't speak Japanese, but I'm pretty sure she's like, like you can, you can translate that. Direction. Yeah. But that. GI Jane was, was a good movie, yeah. That was fucking intense. That was intense. And straight away with an incident like that, I go, all right, wait for people to climb in and take ownership. Then we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with social media. Like then you get the comedians going, well, where's this going to stop? Where is this going to stop? Every comedian that says something that's a bit offensive, someone's going to go up and punch the shit out of them. And it's like, well, okay, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> Mate, that was, that was fucking unbelievable. You imagine, imagine if every person you've offended on the show could smack you in the face. Mm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny that like everybody, I saw this quote from Ricky Gervais and it's so true. I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais. 
I, I also I also believe in the fact that you you you, you can joke about most things in the right context, you know. Um, yeah, anything, yeah. He he said like everybody believes in free speech until they hear something that offends them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's so true. Eh? Like Will yeah. Smith, and they take, pick like <coughs> he lost control. Yeah, they pick like, like their hill to die on. Like yeah. like there'll be like a mother of a you know there'll be like a mother of an autistic child or something, and they'll yeah. laugh at every Nazi joke or every you know anorexia joke. But as mm. soon as there's a joke about autism, you're like, oh, but you can't joke about autism. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, and, and that's and, exactly what happened. Like his yeah. his, his wife. Exactly. Will Smith every other joke funny. Yeah, yeah. He actually found that joke funny. To be fair, have you seen the? Yeah. Have you seen? Have you what seen the you unpack? <laughs> he like he was pissing himself laughing, and yeah. then he looked over at his wife, and his wife was like, "No, no, no." And then he no. that, that was when he's like, "Oh, okay, that's not funny." Yeah, and that's me but, the, but the but like, the other when thing the joke is, was made, he was like, ah. "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> so he was like, "Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to own this shit. I don't want to be in the doghouse at all. I've got to get up and stand up." But the problem oh. is as well that. They're saying that, you know, some method actors, they get so into the role, they can't get out of it for, like, years. So they reckon, mm. you know, that was a downfall with Heath Ledger when he played the Joker, cooked him. Um, Jim Carrey did a thing on Netflix when he played um, Andy Kaufman and he couldn't get out of the role and he almost went insane. So he's come off playing, you know, Serena Williams' old man and Venus and it was all about protecting your family. So in that, it's like, you know, he's like couldn't get out of the character. I'm like, fuck off, man. He's been copping shit about his missus sleeping around for a while. And there was like underlying jokes and jokes at their expense. And then when he laughed at that joke and he looked across and saw those daggers and he's like, oh, I'm in the shit here. Righto. Let's, let's smack him out. Let's go. <laughs> There's an interesting escape. escape Shift the focus. Though, though. Like, that's a real, that's a real way to turn a Just, win into a loss. Though. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think, Jada was tweeting afterwards like that's how we do it or that's how we yeah. roll and then it's like why are you throwing diesel on the petrol fire like just back away no. stay silent let the bloody smoke clear but nah fuck and he had the nice guy character for so long like everyone when you mm. hear Will Smith they go yeah no, nah, he's he's a dude and then it just it just all went weird like him winning the best actor and then doing his speech it's like how are you going to pivot on this shit, mate. Like mm. you fuck. I think it's strange that we we care about these people. Like we, we care that this is even a thing. Like these are the worst people in the yeah. world, right? And like yeah. The only way I was thinking about this because like these are the worst people in the world. Just a big circle jerk celebrating themselves, all this stuff. Like when mm. like. But the reason people care or the reason people watch it is because they are the worst people in the world. So shit like this happens. Like mm. let's say we took like if there was like which should be far more famous is like the world scientist competition or, you know, the Nobel prize is the, mm. the medical research, the whatever, you know, these should be the most famous people in the world, but like at their events functions, no one's going up and punching another guy for making a joke about his missus. Like, yeah. so it's not, so we don't find it interesting. So we only find like the worst people in the world. Interesting. It's so funny that like, that the world's like, the world is so interested in watching someone be celebrated for doing like a, mo a movie is like, you go and watch a movie and you like it or you don't like it and then you go home. So why mm -hmm. why why should we care if that person gets an award for that? And they you know? get paid yeah. a like, shit ton of money to like, do it. It's like making them their job something completely different. Like I go oh, to watch a movie yeah, exactly. and I watch a movie and I like it or I don't like it and I go home and I move on with my life. But then like we all sit down and go, oh, I wonder if he's going to win an award for that movie. 
It's like, yeah. it's so weird. It's, it's, so like, it's just, it's just pegnetry, eh? Pegnetry, whatever that fucking word is. And now like, we're talking about closest thing. Like, yeah. We've got a cycling podcast talking about it. Yeah, we should be talking about cycling, though. Eh? Yeah, exactly. I thought, imagine, I thought, imagine if you I went out to sign on. I thought it was interesting. You know, it is interesting. Just throw it out there. It's good. Sometimes imagine if you, you went up say, to like fuck cycling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets sick of it. I want to talk about the biffo. <laughs> imagine if you walked up to sign on at a race and just smacked some guy out from another thing. Well, Didn't I, that I, just like, in the bus. <laughs> we, 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 what was the what was the um, race when? Oh man, I can't think who it was, but they went to the, they went outside the other guy's bus. Uh, I think it was outside the Quickset bus, and they were just screaming and like, "Get out here!" And the guy wouldn't come out of the bus, so he just walked on the bus, and no one knows what happened. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Uh, that was um, no, that was Froomey. That was Froomey oh, after an uh, incident with um Tony Martin. Remember, there was something on a climb. We were at that race, and then he literally went up to the bus and he stormed into the bus. Oh, there was that, was that was a different one. That was with Luke Rowan and and Tony Martin, maybe, and they and they both got kicked out of the race. Yeah, was no, I reckon there was a nah, there was another one when he went straight on the bus. It was Froomey. I reckon Froomey went into the bus when he was at Sky, and like yeah, and the, literally I just the cameras in. were there, and then someone walked into mm. a bus, and they're just like, yeah, like, yeah. And I love how. <laughs> do you know what I love about the show is that we like talk about like. Um, Deflammatory things, and we don't know exactly who that person was, but we name all the people we think it could be, and we yes. try to dissect it, and then we publicly post it. <laughs> this this <laughs> show is for satirical reasons, uh, of satirical purposes. Any likenesses or links to actual names is for comedic purposes only, and it should not be taken seriously. There's a disclaimer. There we go. Oh, yeah. But really? last thing, last link. You know, off topic is when we were talking about movies, it made me think about like, you know how at start of movies like Jackass, they say these stunts are performed by professionals and should not be replicated at home. And when they do stuff in movies, they go, ah, nah, nah, got to be careful because other kids will follow that. <laughs> Remind me of a story in, in, in 1994 when I saw Dumb and Dumber for the first time, one of the best comedies of all time. And anyone says it's not, you're full of shit. It's a classic. And I remember that scene when Jim Carrey cocked his legs and like lit the fart and it like yeah. engulfed in flames. And and I had this argument at school the next day, like, oh, how good was that? That was that fart thing. I yeah, love fart gags. And my dad would always go, What do you find that shit funny? Like fart gags. It's not even funny. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm chemically programmed to like fart gags. That's it. And so I remember my mates were saying, Yeah, but that's all Hollywood. You know, that doesn't doesn't work like that. And then another guy piped up and said, No, I've tried it. Like you can light up farts. I'm thinking, well, there's only one way to sort this out. I'm going to try it. And so the next, I remember two days later, house had cleared. You know, I had to get ready for school. You know, I was running a bit late, come out of the shower red hot, and I had it like a mirror. It was about 10 metres away from my, my bed. I thought, well, I'm going to try it, but I'm going to watch myself as I do it. I don't know why. I thought, I just want to see all of this. <laughs> I had a real pressurised one ready to go, cocked the legs, starkers, and lit it. And I shit you not, this blue flame, out like about 10 meters and burn a singe hole in the mirror yeah. but I didn't I didn't bank on the recoil so then it went straight back up the coit and burnt <laughs> my rectum at a thousand degrees and I just remember there's no one in the house and I've let out like that ah! 
and was just rolling around. I broke out in tears. I thought I've got like third degree burns. I'm like slapping ointment on there just to get through. Road to school, like just absolutely singed. And I remember just getting to the school just traumatized. And then I remember eventually mustering up the courage, courage to say to the guys, yeah, I tried that scene out of Dumb and Dumber. It definitely works. You can light your Is it showing your burnt ring hole as evidence? You don't do it starkers. If you're going to do that shit, have like the, the, the bunghole filter. Like do it through jocks because you've got to protect the recoil. If you go starkers fully leg cock, it'll shoot straight back up. It was, yeah, it was bad. About two, two sounds three like days. a pretty traumatic story. Speaking yeah. of off-topic stories, my mum actually told me a pretty traumatic story the other day about yeah. this is fuck. We just got out of wormhole here because there's just no cycling on. Well, there's heaps of cycling on, but there's so much cycling on. There's flowers coming up. <laughs> yeah, there's so hey, much what? cycling on, but I'm just. We'll get back to I'm Belgium. Just, we'll get back to Belgium, we're not. Yeah, we will get back to it, but I'll just tell the story while I remember it. My mum told me about this guy. She had just been talking to him. He'd been driving down from Nelson to like Murchison. And he's driving through this, through the, uh, I think, through the Lewis Pass. I can't remember what it was. But a cat ran out in front of him and he hits the brakes as he's driving to this sort of town and he hits the brakes and it's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And, and sort of, you know, he thinks he runs over this cat. So he gets out and he's like, oh, shit looking around, but he can't see the cat anywhere. And he's like, oh, I've just hit this cat. But he looks over and he sees this, like, you know, it's right outside a person's house in their driveway. I think he was pulling into their driveway even. So he goes up to the house to, like, say, like, look, I think I've run over your cat. I'm sorry. And he sees this, like, old cat just, like, pretty much dead on the porch, you know. And he's like, oh, I feel really bad about this. Like, this obviously the cat have run over a real manky. So he knocks on the door and no one's home. And he sees this cat and he's like, this cat sort of just sort of, Looks pretty dead. He's like, oh, I better, better be better be careful. You know, put it out of its misery, you know. So he goes and gets his hunting rifle, shoots this cat, goes back in the car. Because he's like, I just had to put it out of misery, you know. Anyway, buries it, puts a note like, sorry, cat. Uh, drives all the way down, gets to where he's going, gets out of his car, goes into his house, looks around the back of his car and sees that the cat that he thought he'd run over, the cat that he'd run over is actually hanging out the back of his car. And he had just shot oh. someone's random cat. Someone's <laughs> <laughs> cat was just asleep. Meanwhile, in New Zealand. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, last country next week. Can't wait. Right. Put, put an ad break in there. Please. Yeah. I've just got cycling fatigue today. You know, where you just like, you're just so, you just done a hard race, and I'm staring down the barrel of another hard one, and I'm just going, fuck. That was a fucking like, great story, that cat one. Yeah. How, getting back to Belgium, like, it's obviously, Gent Wevergan was massive on Sunday, historical moment for cycling, Gamay winning. He's not doing Flanders. We're ahead of time again. Flanders comes out, Flanders would have been on, but he's not doing Flanders, so he's not going to win Flanders. Um, but it's at the moment, it's effectively still the jumbo show in Belgium. Like Laporte mm. and Van Aert took the absolute piss in E3. Took the absolute piss. There's been, I mean, there's been three different winners. There's been the punter, which um, Merlier won. There's been E3, which Wolf Van Aert won. 
and it's been again we've again watched Gamay one Gamay one um so it, it's not necessarily the jumbo show on the result sheet but it is the jumbo show that's so strange they just they are so, mate is, is the punter what used to be today's dog the punter yeah, yeah it's just a one day just a one day racer i did yeah. 60k the punter once when it was <laughs> my happened? first race and uh i ended up in hospital with no teeth and a 15 oh, stitches shit. in my face and they were gonna have to do plastic surgery and I've still got to, like, Why I've still need to Belgium. Belgium. Eh? Why did they send you to Belgium? It was it was just the shit show that was Radio Shack back in the day. And they, mm. they were running this old school line of like, you know, I don't, I had a knee injury and I had been injured before as I was turning pro, you know, and I'd just been injured, injured, injured. And I didn't start racing until my first race was like late March or mid March, it must have been. And, in that in Corsica and that one and that and I've done a good race and they're like oh like shit this guy you know good start like let's let's send him to Belge just to get his skills up you know like because I was pretty new to road cycling at that stage like I've been mountain biking I'll be good from like learning racing stuff so they'd send me to Three's Dark Gapana and after about 50k we come into this full gas fight for a cobble section like massive fight and it was my second ever pro race and I was 58 kilos, like coming to the section. And I just get absolutely murdered, land face first on the cobbles, wake up in the oh. hospital. And I'm just like, my lip was just detached through there. And I just had stitches here, and my teeth were all fucked, like broken the front off. And then like, I got home, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm like, maybe that wasn't a good move. I was like, fucking no shit. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> like, there's no doubt, like, like for, the, for the listeners out there that, Belgium is the most hectic racing you can do. Like there's there's some, <clears throat> obviously in every race, there's some really sketchy moments like descents or bunch sprints can be a pretty scary at times as well. <clears throat> but Belgium from like start to finish for 250K, it's just so dicey. And like, it's it's funny that like we, like that, it's the culture up there. Like the roads are small, sketchy, there's road furniture, but like, there's never even any complaints because we just embrace it. That's what Belgium is, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, it's what's so good to watch. And it is like Gent Wevergem was, it was probably the easiest Gent Wevergem in recent years, I'd say, because there was no wind. And like, but there's the section in Gent Wevergem that we do in De Punner as well, it's called De Muren. And it's like a big, it's just, a, all it is is this expanse of open fields, Flanders fields, where they had all the battles and stuff and the wars. And it's just for, for as long as you can see, dead flat and not a single tree, not a single tree there. And it's a small road and it runs next to a canal and it's just renowned. Like you hear the word murden and you, everybody gets nervous, you know? So it's not and even cobbles it or anything. It's just, it's just a, just, it's just a road. Has it got the shitty death ridge in the middle of the road? <laughs> nah, it's, it's all right. It hasn't got, hasn't got the death crack. In Belgium, there's this big thing they call the death crack. So there's like the concrete roads and in the middle of the, of the road, instead of a white line, they just put like a six inch deep crack and six inch wide crack. About the size of a and, front cycle wheel. Yeah. You put your front so wheel on Every time you cross lanes, you, you have the chance of just <clears throat> planting your front wheel in there and just launching over the front of your handlebars. It's the only racing in the world where you watch the everybody in the middle of the bunch is just hot jumping. You just you spend 250 k just bunny hopping in the middle of the bunch. Well, I did have that's, this, that's I why did there's the whole zero with with um, Hayden Ralston once though in 2000 and it just rained every day and he just developed this intense phobia of the white lines because we had these real <laughs> shit tires 
and we would just every time we'd cross lanes we'd have to jump because we wouldn't we wouldn't dare touch a white line with our tires because we'd just crash well then what <laughs> so do they call what do they call form fuckers then are they the cat's eyes form, form fuckers no they're poles. just big poles yeah. big poles oh, okay. so like right. because in because in Belgium they've got like you know this massive network of, of bike bike lanes every every single road in Belgium has a bike lane on it you know mm. which is awesome it's awesome for um I mean, they're built for the general public, for commuters, for people to ride bikes. And that's why thousands and thousands of people ride bikes in Belgium and Holland is because they have, they can go anywhere on a main road and they've got their own little piece of road, you know. But they separate this bike path from the road with these things we call form fuckers. Because if you hit one, your form is fucked. <laughs> yeah, I love and, it. Yeah. Um, I love it. And, God, I so you're racing. Of, so you're I've racing, like, and you're trying to. Of, Peter Stettner hitting one of these things in, in Pace Pass, one of these metal poles. Oh, yeah. That was shocking. Man, that was 2014 or something, wasn't it? 15, maybe. And, yeah. man, it was the worst. It, it nearly ended his career. In fact, it, it, it took him a year to come back from that. Just mm-hmm. shattered this, knees, everything. Oh. This, is, this is what the Murden does to people. So there's no wind in Gent Wivergham on Sunday. Like, like, a little bit, but not enough. But the, the Murden hasn't been in Gent-Wivergham for a few years. So it was back in. And whenever you race across that section of road, it genuinely splits because it's normally windy there. It's, right, it's close to the coast. It's open field. On Sunday, there's no wind. But still, as we're approaching it, the whole bunch gets nervous. Like, oh, it's going to go into pieces on the Murden. <laughs> it's not. It was, there was no wind. And um, <clears throat> as we approach it, it's a big road as you approach it. And the, the bunch is going 70k an hour. And it's like fucking everyone's fighting for position, trying to get in, into the Murden at the the front of the bunch and um <clears throat> i was like sort of like midway back and Heyman said on the radio oh guys remember when you come out of this roundabout be very careful on the right hand side there's a bunch of form fuckers there's about four or five form fuckers in the line as you come <laughs> out of the roundabout because it goes into the bot into this bike path so just don't go on the right hand side out of this roundabout be careful and then but it's the moon and like i was like i need better position so i literally heard that on the radio and just went hard right out of the roundabout me and Greg going out of the And as soon as, as, as soon as I came out of the roundabout, I was like, fuck, form fucker. <laughs> I like, me and Van Avermaet were just locked up. He went like one way through it. I went the other way through it. We're both like, holy shit. He's like, oh man, that was close. I was like, I literally just got told that like probably a minute ago. That Do you think that in his the radio, right side. they were saying in Flemish, like, the forum nuken. The forum nuken. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, he would have had a French one. <laughs> but it's this amazing mindset. It's this amazing mindset that we have. That like, weird fuck here. Even though yeah. I know that it's there, I'm still trying. I need to get better. I need to move up five spots for the Moodin, even though there's no win, yeah. even though it's not going to split. And I literally just missed the swamp fucker. And then we turned yeah, into the Moodin. That's and we all a perfect example of, of us being our own worst enemies. Like, I actually had a real long chat to... Um, Mick Rogers actually the other night about safety. He's you know now head of UCI, but like a lot of it is he's also talking about you know one of the things he mentions like cyclists do actually have to take a bit of responsibility because like a good example for us was Catalonia stage two, like they were like okay open final all around here and you know you're going up into Perpignan, real open and there's like a little bit of wind but definitely not enough wind for like cross it for like echelons and like but everyone's like. Fuck, it's going to be windy. We've got to be at the front. Got to be front. Everyone's pushing, pushing, pushing. Every director's pushing every rider. And the road's only like 10 riders wide. So what happens is we arrive in the 
we get to the finish and I'm in a small group of like 30 guys left in the front, but there was not enough wind to make crosswinds. It was just, there was so much stress that everyone just kept crashing. And every time there was a crash, mm. it would split the group in half and then everyone was riding so far. So like if, if we just known, like there wasn't enough wind for crosswinds that day, there's no way that you should get dropped in crosswinds like that. But just the fact that we thought that we put enough stress, that we rode so stressed out and that we rode like a millimeter off everyone's wheel that there was just crashes, crashes, like Yatesy crash. And then there was like the mm. all these, and then it was just like in groups, absolutely in pieces, just because we actually did that. But like the problem is it's not like you can just go, it's like when you try and neutralize a race. Do you remember that race in the in the Tour de France that year? They're like, right, we're going to neutralize the stage. And I think there was one guy off solo winning and then they were like, we're going to neutralize for second. And then Maxime Bouet did like the bike throw and got second on the line and, do you remember that? Mm. So there was okay. Yeah. They all these crashes. They neutralised the stage, except for the guy who was away solid. He won the race. Then they were all going to ride in together, you know, um, as a group for second. They'd stop racing. But like as you got close to the finish, everyone was like, well, "Hold on a minute! If we cross the line second, there's a Tour de France podium, stage podium up for grabs." So everyone just edged, everyone just edged closer, 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 closer. Mm. And then like 50 meters to go, there was just an all-out sprint. So like you you can't control a group of cyclists. And it's like no. you can't say to everybody, hey, guys, there's not enough wind to break it. Let's all just ride to a rest of the finish. Because So you have to act like a dickhead because mm. if you don't, you're the guy in the last group. Yeah. That's like when that crash happened in Gent Wivergum on Sunday, there's a big crash. And like it sort of like it wasn't a bad crash. There was just a small ride, and a couple of guys went down and split the bunch in half. And then for a period of the race, there's like sixty guys in the front group, and it was exactly the same thing. Like we're coming down this massive big road. There's still a hundred k to go in the race, with thirty k from or twenty k from the Kimmelberg first time, and but all of a sudden it's like there's a little bit of wind, and we're turning right onto a small road and. Maybe it's going to split there. It's not going to split mm. there. And we're on the small road for 3K and then we're back onto a big road into a headwind. But still, it's exactly like you say. The directors are saying, guys, remember, this is that bit we identified. This is that bit of road we identified. This is a dangerous bit we identified. Blah, blah, blah. We had, And all this stuff. So every single team's getting the same information in the earpiece going, you need to be in the front. You need to be in the front. So all of a sudden, same thing happens. Massive, massive rush. Turn right onto the small road. There's no wind, of course, but there's so much stress. There's a crash. It's yeah, like, and therefore, if you're not at the front and you know that like it's not going to break yeah. because of the wind, but you know it's going to break because of the stress, but like it's this crazy cycle that just that feeds mm. itself. It's like self-perpetuating because then you st- even though even though it didn't break because of the wind, it broke because of the crash. You still had yeah. to be in front of that crash, so you still yeah. had to be there and you still had to then contribute to the craziness. Mm. And that's the thing, like it's a numbers game, isn't it? Like the more people in front of you, the better chance you have of being involved mm. in a crash. So, like, yeah. you're always trying to be in front of, you know, to a certain point in front of as many riders as you can be, especially in Belgium. And, like, then that's exactly what happened. And when that crash happened, it was I was in the – I made the front. I was in the 60 guys. And I was – at that point, I was hoping that the road was blocked for ages. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> never come back. I'm front group. I don't have to fight anymore. Did you get your Instagram photo, Bills, on the front there with that face? Nah, Pulling I haven't got any. Nah, I haven't oh. got any. I didn't get any gram photos from Gim Wilbergham, actually. Uh, you know what you're doing those though. small roads is you've got to drop the, the Uscatel grenade. What do you, we used to, you used to get them in the Vuelta was when Uscatel Uscardi used to race. Oh, the carrots. Now. But they haven't done it for a lot, haven't done it for a long time. But like, they'd always, they went through this couple of years where they must have just had really bad bottle cages. 
and there would just be like full Iscatel bottles just coming out of bottle cages every time they hit a speed bump, and then it would just cause a huge crash, and it just became like the Iscatel grenades. Like you just be like, you come in like with all your skin missing you. You're like, what happened? Oh, fucking Iscatel grenade. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you ever crashed from hitting a bottle like on the ground? Nah, but I crashed Richie Port um, in Perry Nice last year because of that. Someone dropped a bottle. It went through my front wheel. I went over the bars but held it up. But as I went over the bars, kind of thing, like was falling off, my bike went back, hit Richie, and just KO'd him. He would, he would have taken that, that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's just, a, about it. just a bike incident, George. That's all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's it's so there's, nothing, there's nothing more dangerous to hit than a full book drink, by the way. I, oh, I yeah. crashed it through a pole in 2020. And luckily, it was going uphill, but I was. I was going uphill, we're going up this climb and the guy in front of me took a bottle and he dropped it, like grabbed the bottle. We were quite, still going like 30k an hour. He dropped it and it just dropped it straight in front of my front wheel and I just went boop, boop, straight over the handlebars. You can't. Didn't someone can't break their it. collarbone in that crash? Didn't like one of our friends fuck themselves into a pole and uphill like 5k into the race from a bottle? Uh, don't know. Yeah, can't remember. Uh, no. Just make, just make a name up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so Flanders on Sunday. We'll we'll do the same as San Remo, eh? Make uh, predictions. What's Pogacar? Well, should we go gonna, Pogacar? Are you racing? Shotgun Pogacar. Yeah. Oh. Yes. You reckon he's going to win? I don't reckon he's going to win. Ah, mate. He win whatever he wants to win. Yeah, I know, but I don't think he'll win. I don't think he'll win Flanders. Do you don't, you don't think, think he wants that, to? I don't think he, he wants, wants to win. win. <laughs> he, mate, he's just going to pipe him. Pipe him, win solo. And then everyone goes, yeah. fuck cycling's boring. The problem is, is today's Dwarves Towards London and this podcast is being released late because I'm not going to be around for the release next week because we're on the past country. So today will be a real um, litmus test for a lot of these guys. And it's pretty interesting, speaking of Podrick on these, is like you see a lot of these GC guys because these are cobble stages in the tour this year. All these GC guys are up there riding like, you know, I think, Roglic and Vinegar did like Knocker or one of those races the mm. other day and they were fucking good like it's, it must be real annoying for like you guys like the classics guys just having like these GC guys pissing around elbows out with, coming under everybody the thing with the GC guys like the thing with the top GC guys Pogacar, Roglic and you know those guys Yatesy like they're actually they're just they're just the best cyclists in the world it doesn't matter mm. where, where you are they're yeah. like okay you can say they you know, they, they climb better than you climb better than me, for example, George, because you're 15 kilos lighter. Yeah, of course, that makes a difference. But those guys, they're actually just the best bike riders in the world, physically, in every single facet, you know, skills. Like they, that's why they win time trials. That's why they win mountain stages. That's why they yeah. win the classics. They're just the best bike riders. But the thing with Flanders, like Dwarsville Flanders is a funny race. It's not really hard. It's not. Oh, isn't it? Like e, is it not a mini no, Flanders or is that E3? No. E3, E3 is more of a mini Flanders and um, Dwarsville Flanderen today is like a, it still it still does like the hills of Flanders, but it does less of them. It's a shorter race. There's a lot of flat before the climbs. There's a lot of flat after the climbs. So it's often, it's one of those races that can go either way. Like sometimes someone wins solo. Sometimes it's a, it's a bunch of 60 guys. So it could What's go, the translation it's, for Dwarsdors? Is it like little it shit? Means, it means ride through Flanders, basically. Uh, or tour through Flanders. Uh, There's little shit Flanders. Um, but uh, that Flanders, <laughs> little shit Flanders. <laughs> um, it's way off. I, I don't think Pogacar will win Flanders though, because I think you you need the 
you can't underestimate the knowledge up there. If the people who know Flanders really well are the people that do well in Flanders. That's why there's so many recons. That's why the good classics writers of the past and the good classics writers of mm. now, they study it. They study Flanders. They study those routes. They study those roads because there's so mm. many twists and turns. And, and the climbs that we do in Flanders, we do like a lot in races, but you do mm. them you do them from all different directions, you know? So you need to know what exactly which way you're going into it, what comes next, anticipate the next climb. The knowledge up there, you can't underestimate it. And I think also, like on those sorts of climbs, Pogachar is not riding away from uh, Van Out and stuff. Like, you know, the, the mm. longest climb in Flanders is four minutes. And um, I think he'll, he'll certainly be up there and he'll certainly be having a crack. But I reckon Van Aert is going to fucking smoke everyone. Uh, uh, yeah, you're wrong. Because he's got the team as well. He's got the team. The team makes a difference. Oh, you you reckon George? You're in his team. Pogachar. Yeah, well, I well, can't. can't no. And I can't say well because you've said him. Um, oh, jeez. Vanderpoel? Vanderpoel. Just because, no, oh, yeah. Is is Evanderpoel riding? No. Nah. No. Nah, he's done. <laughs> oh, is he? <laughs> Did you see Overrated. what Sargon said about him? Overrated. Hey? See what Sargon yeah. said about it the other day? What did he say? He's, no. He said, oh, there's an article about... Um, did he say you pissed uh, on him? Yeah. <laughs> Sargon said that he... The difference between him and Evenepoel was that Sargon made himself and Evenepoel has been made by Quickstep or something. I don't know exactly what he meant by that. But... Um, Kurt, well, Sargon had heaps of victories and then was a superstar. He's a superstar. Well, he's a character. On, he's also a character. Mm. And he's also popular because of his you know, like his character. Mm. Um, hey, hey, before we wrap up, I noticed you're wearing a Hard Rock T-shirt, Bills. That mm. intrigued me. That merchandise because when I was a kid, I always <laughs> wanted a Hard Rock just so because you didn't travel that much as a kid. So if you went to Lo- Los Angeles and you wore it around, people go, "Oh, you've been to fucking Los Angeles." Yeah, that's what the Hard Rock top was. Is, was that your motivation? So when you go back to New Zealand, they go, oh, Andorra. You go, yeah, no, live in Andorra. No, what, just, what happened was yeah, it's a Hard Rock Cafe Andorran T-shirt for those who are listening. And it looks um, crook. It's real crook and it's faded. The yeah. the, the reason I bought it was because I, I about two, two or three years ago, I decided to go, I thought I might try and become a hipster. I wanted yeah. to, I went, oh, yeah. a hip, I went through a bit of a hipster phase. Uh, and, yeah, you were um, wearing those caps for a while, weren't you? Sort of yeah, I just, I was just trying to be mm. a hipster, and then like I realised that I wasn't a hipster. Um, I don't like coffee that much. I like coffee, but I don't have a coffee machine, or I don't make like you know, I don't have Jamaican beans or something. I don't like. Mm. At the end of the day, I'm a meat shots. and three veg. I'm a meat and three veg guy. But, and, but the hipster um, wear Hard Rock Cafe shirts. I didn't know that. Well, it's a little bit hipster, isn't it? I don't know. No, it's, it's really. Mm. An, I remember my osteo last year was having to go and buy hard rock shirts for his daughters because they were what everybody wanted so i think that pretty i think you thought you were being a hipster but i think you were pretty much staying in your lane <laughs> just a dick just sticking with the mainstream <laughs> but speaking of the hard rock that's not a bad logo hey? why don't we just knock that off exactly like that and just put social distance podcast instead of hard rock cafe that's it that's go. the logo tell caitlin slap it together well, we get done for a um, copyright. I don't think we're we're quite big enough to be worrying about copyright issues. <laughs> yeah, 
And now then you can put whatever, country, yeah, whatever country you want underneath. We can just do a, a range of like awesome yeah. places, like That's social not a bad podcast. Idea. And then you just do like sail. So no. social distance podcast, Rotorua. We can make it like a club. Like you join the social distance podcast club, and we have them all around the world. So wherever yes. you are, you can have social distance podcast and the Hard Rock Cafe logo, Custom and then underneath shirts. you have Mel- Melbourne or. Uh, That's it. Barcelona yeah. or whatever. Yeah, chapter. Yes. yeah, exactly. Yes. And you yeah. have listen parties where you all sit yeah. around and have your nacho Fuck dips. Off. All listen. Right. Nah. <laughs> I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. <laughs> the circle jerk's gone on long enough. Let's get out of here. Uh, okay. See you, mate. Like, share, so subscribe. So who's doing the logo? Ah, fucking. Righto. We'll definitely have logo. it next step. Yeah. All right. We're done. See you guys. You can't quit quit (laughs) something you haven't started, George. (laughs) Yeah.